Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Jim? Hi, Catherine. Hey. You know, one thing I realize is this is really just me calling you every day, but we very rarely introduce ourselves or say what we're doing. So I think it might be a good idea for us to say what the show is every now and then um, for yeah. people who may be listening for the first time. So uh, I'll just say it really quickly. I'm Catherine Wells. I do podcasts here at The Atlantic. And Jim Hamblin, who are you? I'm a staff writer at The Atlantic and a preventive medicine physician. And we have been talking the whole pandemic about pandemic stuff. So that's what this yeah. podcast is, is I call Jim and ask him some questions about the pandemic stuff. And sometimes we call other people. Sometimes we also call other people. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's the show, just in case uh, you're listening for the first time. Anyway, on to uh, the conversation. We've gotten lots of questions from listeners about the holidays. I have my own. So we'll get to that in a second. But I did want to ask you really quick first about uh, there's more vaccine news. In the last week, there's been this funny to me, competing press release situation from these vaccine companies. Pfizer released some early data, which I assume they released because they just wanted to be first. Like we were like, why did they really? And now we know. So they were like, our vaccine is 90% effective. And then a couple days ago, Moderna was like, our vaccine is 94.5% effective. <laughs> and then Pfizer came back and they were like, actually, we finished our trial and our vaccine is 95% effective. So it seems like they're in some sort of percentage war. But anyway, it all of this like is very, very good news, right? Yeah, I think that there were planned points where they were going to release data. And I don't know how intentional it was in terms of competitiveness, but it definitely felt that way. But in any case, it's very good news. I'm really excited by it. I'm so happy that assuming that it all comes to pass, that there aren't longer term things we're not seeing at this point in the trials. It's just mm -hmm. really, really good news. And we talked about it a lot last week. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything to know about the Moderna stuff? Like, does it change anything at all or...? It's just um, it's just more good news because it's manufactured and stored in a different way, and mm -hmm. so this will have benefits to be able to reach you know populations that wouldn't be as easy to reach with the Pfizer vaccine because it has to be kept super cold. So having both of these as tools in the toolbox is just even better news than having only one. Yeah, I mean, Jim, I don't know how to say this if feels awkward to say but i've been feeling hopeful yeah yeah that's good no it just really is like oh we are gonna get through this like this will end it will end we're gonna get through this yeah it seems to be a great moment for all these things i mean no vaccine has ever been made anywhere near this time frame and it would have been you know conversely just really really disheartening news if it didn't work yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been like a very like worst case scenario person this whole time, just because especially in the beginning, people were being way too hopeful and sort of in a denial-y way. Uh, and I've been like, it's worse than you think. But now I'm actually like, oh, it's now, this is better than the worst case scenario, at least. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, 
One quick question, though. We did have a question from a listener about the Pfizer vaccine. Mm -hmm. Um, 95% effective. We talked to Dr. Stephen Thomas last week, who's the lead investigator on the Pfizer vaccine, and he said that the way they were doing the vaccine is basically they vaccinate half people, give half people a placebo, and then they track these people and, quote, when somebody alerts you to a symptom that's consistent with COVID-19, we investigate. And they ended Mm -hmm. up having 94 cases. The question is, what about asymptomatic cases? Like, were they testing people regularly enough to account for asymptomatic cases? No. This is the clinical trial where, in both of these cases, the endpoint is actually developing COVID-19, which, you know, it's sort of a semantic point, but not really, that COVID-19 is the disease, coronavirus disease, Mm -hmm. 2019. And if you test positive but are asymptomatic, you technically don't have COVID-19. You have an infection or you're a carrier of the virus. But if you're not having symptoms that doesn't count. So this is a clinical trial where the endpoint is, and this is truly what what really matters from a vaccine is, does it prevent the disease? So they're really only looking for cases of disease. It would be from a transmission standpoint, interesting and good to know on top of that, if it also prevents you from ever transiently carrying or having any symptomatic case, we don't know that right now. Okay, so I mean, that's an important note though, because we don't actually know yet if the getting the vaccine will make it impossible for you to actually transmit the virus. Yeah. I, you know, if a vaccine prevents a disease, it's meaning that your body is clearing out this virus pretty quickly. Yeah. It's not to say that if someone sneezes in your face and you inhale a ton of coronavirus that it can't, you know, for a little while live in your airways and you could pass it on real briefly, but it's not Mm -hmm. meaningful. So that, you know, you're not gonna be a super spreader. You're not gonna be highly contagious. Okay, that's helpful. All right, let's talk about the holidays, which is actually related to the vaccine because I think, well, we can get to this, but I think (laughs) I wanted to tell you about a thing that happened to me the other day. It really befuddled me. What happened? So I got invited by someone to, a social event. A friend who I don't know very well invited me over to a socially distanced gathering. They said, going to have like about six people over for a meal outside, distanced. And I was like, that seems okay. Like, from everything we know, I can keep my mask on when I'm eating. I can like be away from them and we'll be outside. And it seems like I can kind of manage my risk there. And it seems like they're, you know, we're all on the same page. I mean, maybe you wouldn't have done that to begin with, but I decided. I would. Okay. I get there, and it turns out there are eight people there. They're inside, and they don't have masks on. Oh, yeah. That sucks. If it were had been a close friend, I would have been like, you're crazy. Stop. You know, I could have. But I was, I don't actually know these people. So I was immediately paralyzed. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, I'm leaving my mask on and then i was like are we eating outside and they were like yeah yeah we're gonna eat outside and i was like well i and i, I anyway a, a very awkward thing ensued in which i did not leave i stayed but i was like constantly being kind of weird and paranoid and being like haha i'm paranoid ha 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 i guess my risk uh tolerance is lower than yours ha 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 you know yeah. covid isn't a joke ha 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 and then i was really 
weird about it. But I also didn't leave. And I was just like, oh, I I should know <laughs> everything there is to know about coronavirus that we've been talking forever. And yet I couldn't figure out, um, <laughs> as we've known, but I don't know why I'm surprised by this, but basically like the problem with coronavirus is that it is socially incredibly awkward. It's not like I have all the information I need to know that yeah. that was dangerous. And yet I couldn't figure out how to deal with it socially. Why didn't you leave? It felt too weird to be like, I, I mean, what should I, what would you have done? What would you have done? Uh, well, I have a tendency to be pretty blunt and rude in these situations, but I also, yeah, I, I guess, guess maybe I mean, I'm forgiven. Like social grace is not really like a thing you're It's true. And But I also, generally. people, if they know that I am a physician, maybe forgive it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but I would not be there. I mean, I would talk to wh whoever brought you to that situation or invited you and say, sorry, I you know, just don't feel comfortable here or make it up being an excuse and say, you know, something's come up. I, I gotta go. You don't have to even be confrontational about it if it's people who you don't, you know. I only knew one person and not very well and I didn't know anyone else. So I just like, couldn't figure out how to handle it. Yeah. In a situation like that, to actually be safe, you'd need to have a mask and be far away. You know, people are congregating indoors without a mask. You know, six feet is not adequate. Yeah, like I tried to stay on the outskirts and then I like weirdly just went outside and waited outside for a long time. And then when I yeah. came back in, I was like, can I open this window? Ventilation is really important. But I didn't just walk out. So I... Yeah. Well, know. no, I mean, so that's weird. really in the moment. It can be difficult to do. I know, especially it's just considered impolite. You don't want to be judgmental, but you got to leave. Your advice is like, get out of there. Yeah. Or should you spread information and be like, y'all, you're putting yourself at risk. I think if you felt comfortable doing that, I think doing it in a the the non-judgmental way to, to usually do these things is to say, I'm sorry, you know, I don't feel comfortable here because um you know i'm worried about the virus and that that at least you know you don't have to tell them you're doing something dangerous mm -hmm. but that would put it in their mind like oh should i similarly feel concerned about this because maybe they just don't for whatever reason they're not thinking about it you yeah. at least put that idea into their head without being scoldy in a way that can just be counterproductive like yeah. not yeah. these people deserve to be scolded <laughs> you know in my opinion but it's not a system like where you're allocating justice you're just seeing like what would actually improve this in, in the moment yeah they were like i i told one person i was like gosh i i really am not i'm just don't like doing this and uh the person was like yeah i mean we're all being careful and i was like well <laughs> by they? definition you yeah, aren't I, oh. um, anyway i guess i bring this up because i was surprised kind of at my own reaction like i just hadn't thought through the scenario of because I've just not seen anyone for so long that I hadn't thought through the scenario of like new people and how I would react. I, I And I also made the assumption based on the sort of discussion beforehand that we were on the same page. So mm -hmm. I did, uh, one of the things I wondered, and I wondered if this might be applicable to holiday gatherings too. I, I know that one thing would have been helpful for me is to just be way more explicit beforehand about exactly how everything was going to be. I should have just yeah. said beforehand, like, wait, 
do you have enough space outside? Are we going to be outside the whole time? What is the blah, blah? You know, I just should have asked like a lot more questions. I just made the assumption that because they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to be socially distanced and outside. I was like, cool. We're all on the same page. But we Mm -hmm. were not. So I think one thing I wish I had done was be much clearer beforehand about how it was going to be done and much more specific. I think that would have been easier for me personally rather than trying to negotiate it in the moment when I like just felt really weird. Yeah, I I would assume that most people now should know what it means to be socially distant. And I don't think so, Jim. I mean, this is the thing that I realized Uh. we're like talking about the virus all the time. You're studying it all the time. I really think even people who are relatively informed, like, we're going through an enormous spike right now. Mm -hmm. And it is not all because people are in denial or think COVID is a hoax. It's I think a lot of it is people, like, probably actually think they're being careful. Yeah. They really think that because they, like, don't hang out with as many people as much of the time, they wear masks generally, you know? Like, right. I, I, I'm sure that's where a lot of the spread is coming from. It's just things like this where people are like, oh, we've all been careful. We're going to eat outside. Well, we're kind of wearing masks. No, I'm sure that is. I, I have no doubt that 99% of Americans are doing at least something that they feel is a precaution sometimes. Right. Um, But that's just kind of like, you know, I only drink and drive like on weekends. <laughs> but like, that's how people do drink and drive. <laughs> I, I know. People well, are like, oh, I don't generally. I mean, I only had a few. Like, it's probably fine. I don't drink and drive. I just had a couple. Yeah. I'm fine. You know? Right. That, it's Yeah. We're, we're certainly not controlling it. And it is a controllable disease. And we are failing. Yeah. So the situations you're describing, the social dynamics are probably really more key to this than the scientific ones. That's exactly what I, I'm sure people are way ahead of me on this but to me this was like a revelation that actually this is not an information problem this isn't people being like oh i haven't heard about the virus or oh i don't know what six feet is it's it's actually just like a social thing anyway the holidays are coming up so how are you supposed to proceed um right we here's a general question to kick us off from a listener named whitney how do i decide whether i celebrate the holidays with family If everyone in our family is being safe and masking and we live in a lower risk area, but the holidays are inside, is it still a big giant mistake to celebrate with our family for the holidays? Thanksgiving is my favorite. Well, it's really hard to imagine a gathering inside where people are also masked because usually Thanksgiving involves eating, of course. There are ways that if you have a small family and you can do things outside, Everyone tries to really quarantine for two weeks before and after this gathering that it could be done. But, you know, like you were saying, I think there's a sort of cultural dynamic that especially when you're among friends and family that people let their guard down and Mm -hmm. think, you know, um, back home and these are people I know and trust and so it must be safe. And it's really hard not to just feel like this is an escapist moment like we can press pause on the pandemic and so i think it would be safest unless you you know really know your whole family to be really vigilant about this and think they can well this is the type of thing everyone in our family is being safe and masking okay well there is a wide variation in how people interpret being safe and masking like Uh uh-huh 
everyone may say, yes, I'm being safe in masking because they're being more safe and wearing masks more often than they did before the pandemic, but it doesn't mean they're 100% careful. Right. That's why I think at an international level, it would be best for the default directive from CDC and messaging from public health officials is just don't do this. We just got this great vaccination news. We know that by next year, this time, we should be in a completely different position. This isn't forever. Well, I think listeners of our podcast probably know that if you if you really want to hyperanalyze a situation, there are ways you could do it safely. At a general level, our default should be no, we're, we're just not doing this this year. So the answer to Whitney, who asked, is it's still a big, giant mistake, is yes. It is a big, giant mistake. Yeah, because of the traveling, you know, bringing people together, like multi-generational um families and 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 just remembering that like you you know there have been gatherings there was this this wedding in maine over the summer that they've traced to seven deaths now that uh, among people who weren't at the wedding you know didn't Mm -hmm, attend it mm -hmm. and like through so that's why transmission yeah even if everyone in your family was like i am ready to become seriously ill and possibly die myself i would sooner die than miss thanksgiving even if there was a situation where you all felt that which i would you know that would raise some red flags for me but like (laughs) even then it's not just about you so yeah so yeah i think um easier said than done but um don't don't do it i don't just don't treat this day like the rules or it's not a pause for the pandemic but you know, I mean, the hard thing is talking to your family about that, right? Um, friends yeah. and family or whoever you might spend this. Right, right. Well, here's with. another question. Here's another question. So you can make yeah. that decision. But here's another question. This is from a review. Thank you, whoever left this question as a review. How do I convince my parents who have been living very carefully to avoid the virus that they shouldn't travel home for Christmas to stay with the rest of my extended family? I understand it's tough. Sad to miss a family holiday. But my extended family has not been living in a similarly careful way. I'm very nervous. Yeah, I'm sure that stuff is going to happen. Part of it depends on your family's, you know, what is their thinking. If they just simply really have been in a Fox News bubble or something and think the whole thing is a hoax, that's different than if they have, you know, made some internal calculation and think they can do it safely. And you approach those situations I think differently, but it's in any case a heartfelt conversation where you're expressing concern for them. Probably a series of conversations. I can tell um, you, I've I've done it with my parents. I don't want you to die. Yeah. I don't want to have to take care of all of your shit. <laughs> well, that's not <laughs> maximally compassionate. I think. Uh, Sometimes you got to be like, Did I that, mean, because just the, I don't know, that everyone has their own family di- dynamic. But for me, it doesn't work to be like, oh, I would really, it would really mean a lot to me if you would just, I, I have to be like, no, where do you, right. every time they get in a car, where are you going? Right. Who are you going to be with? <laughs> it sounds like the uh, parental dynamics have reversed a bit here. Yeah, they're loving that. They're really childhood. loving that. Yep. Um, anyway. There's a report out that almost a quarter of all hospitals in the U.S. right now don't have enough staffing to deal with all the patients they have right now. 
Like, yeah. this isn't really a time for like gentle, hopeful prodding. It's like, don't do this. Well, do not do this. I think it's it's a time for being evidence based in your approaches to that, right? I think we have a tendency to think like the more forceful or emotional or angry we sound and the more scoldy we get, the more effective it'll be. But it I mean, I'm often... training a dog to sit right now. It definitely works <laughs> if you you act like you're mad. Yeah. I mean, for some people, I, I think it does. And for others, it requires a kind of... Sure. Socratic. Uh, what is making you decide that you should go hang out at bars? Yeah. That's why it really comes down to kind of someone you really feel close to and trust. And that those, I think those are the kind of conversations that are actually going to turn the tide at this point. If my writing and like the other, like we're, we're probably pretty futile at this point. I don't know what more I can do to talk to audiences of like national magazines if people haven't already gotten the picture, but there's a lot that can be done. Well, I think I think level. what we're talking about is this in-between where people definitely know it's a problem. They know what they're supposed to do, but they're just like the strictness. It's hard. It's genuinely hard to keep up. I think a lot of people are just feeling tired right now. It's like, well, we've been doing this for six months. Oh, my God. And like, well, can I just have a, a single meal with my family? But the answer is no. You can't. Um, yeah. Not the way you did well, before. So no. You're right. I, I think that's true. Um, yeah. Well, if it, it's true, we just got to say it. Okay. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, here's, here's another scenario, though. This is a tough one. Barbara wrote us. She wants to visit her 91-year-old mother. It's not an emergency, but her cognition is declining, and, and Barbara wants to see her. If Barbara is quarantined and then travels by plane wearing a mask, can she see her mother? Yeah, this is the one kind of big caveat to the Thanksgiving gathering question is people with, you know, terminally ill relatives being one of the unique scenarios, you might not see them again. You know, honoring people's wishes is in like, if they want to see you, and mm -hmm. they don't care if you infect them, and they are homebound, and they're not seeing other people. There's a situation there where, yeah, I think the right thing to do is honor their wishes and go see them. If you can do that safely, it doesn't mean bring your whole family together to see them simultaneously. Um, but if it's a one-on-one -on -one situation like that, or a you know sort of a family bubble going to see an elderly relative who desperately wants to see them, that's something that I wouldn't categorically say we should not do. That's what makes it so hard to say simply don't gather at all. But that's a different situation than. Can we just like ha we'll have Thanksgiving in May? We'll do we'll postpone it and we'll do it outside, right? right um, right. and everything will be pretty similar then, except we can actually enjoy it. We should have that. Wouldn't that be nice if if we had like a nationwide, just like we're moving Thanksgiving? It's just we've changed the date and it's actually next June. Yeah, we could do it for for Fourth of July. Yeah, just like hang on, we'll still have Thanksgiving. It's just not next week. It's <laughs> six months from now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, okay, but what about the plane question? We've gotten some questions about, like, okay, if you're going to break this recommendation because you have some extenuating circumstance that, like, really makes not doing Thanksgiving as terrible as doing it, how are people supposed to think about travel by plane versus train versus car? 
the planes are, are not where I'm worried about it. We are not seeing significant transmission on planes. Planes have good ventilation. They have good airflow and filters. P- people mostly wear masks. And, and you pretty much kind of sit quietly um, and you don't face other people. And you're not having loud, boisterous conversations and you're not eating. They don't give you food or drinks on the plane right now. Unless I think you, I guess you can get water or something if you ask for it. But that's a much safer scenario than a prolonged period having a loud conversation eating with a big group it's really about once you arrive it's the the traveling is so the plane isn't the problem it's actually thanksgiving it's not getting to thanksgiving that is the riskiest thing necessarily it's thanksgiving Yeah. yeah i mean that's the unfortunate thing of course, as we've mentioned before, you know, riding in in a car with strangers is not a good situation. Yep. Taking a rideshare or a taxi to an airport, not a good situation. Presumably, people would be traveling. If you you know, if you're traveling by car, you would be with whoever you live with is already part of your bubble. That really wouldn't be so. Car alone or with people who are already in your household, not a problem. Train bad. I don't know how they're doing trains right now, but I believe trains have ventilation systems that are similar to. Um, subways and planes and are are generally pretty safe. Oh, really? And once again, you're, most people on the train are sitting uh, quietly, keeping to themselves. What about bus? I'm not sure how different bus lines are outfitting and equipping themselves for the pandemic. And I think there are probably going to be regional differences in the safety of buses. So I would check into that and just make sure that if you were needing to travel by bus that the company that you're using is taking every precaution and not having people crammed into a space without good ventilation. Okay. But again, don't do it. Well, people will have needs to to travel occasionally. And so we're just being pragmatic about that. But yeah, elective travel right now is not a good idea. This is the worst of the pandemic. So to reiterate, don't go to Thanksgiving. <laughs> Just don't do it. I'm just going to keep reiterating uh, um, that. Yeah, just just stick with your bubble, but you know, try to. I think it's an especially important time to really check in with people and try to do virtual things. There's lots to you could consider, and and it's just one time. It's just one time. It's just one year. Let's like just hang tight. We are getting through this. Okay, one more question. One more question before we go. Uh, this one is from Kevin Townsend, longtime listener also producer of the show. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Jim. (laughs) So my family is kind of spread all across the country and every holiday season is kind of a negotiation of who's going where, when, and canceling Thanksgiving probably means shifting around Christmas Mm -hmm. with where things are. Like I have to probably right after this, call my dad and cancel holidays. Am I canceling Christmas too? Oh, Gosh, you know, if people have Thanksgiving in traditional ways on anywhere near the scale that Americans normally do, Christmas, it's going to be a nightmare around Christmas. I mean, any hope of gathering at that point is going to be, there will be serious travel advisories. Every city will have extreme lockdown. Not every city. I would expect most would. We're going to be in a much worse shape. You know, there's that three or four week lag between events like Thanksgiving and when you actually see the big uptick in hospitalizations. 
and we would be seeing it right around Christmas time. So without regard to any particular religious holiday, I think that's going to be an especially fraught time. Um, any negotiation about how to handle the December holidays is going to be just completely worse if we are overloaded from people having gotten together on Thanksgiving. So yeah. what's Kevin supposed to say to his dad? Well, what exactly were you planning to do? Initially, the plan was to sort of be as quarantined as possible and travel mask-wise to see people separately. I, I <laughs> In a funny way, I think this kind of the fact that things are so insanely bad right now does make it easy because if we were in some middling stage where it's still unsafe, it's it's a little easier just to point to the graph and say, look at the graph. It's really, really bad and it's going to get worse. But we were planning on being somewhat distant. I, I, I've seen him a number of times in the pandemic already um, safely. So we're, we're kind of, anyway, yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, how much is a single meal worth, I guess? If, if there's a, a sort of nuclear family that wants to get together to see maybe uh, some grandparents, y- you know, if both those two bubbles could spend two weeks meticulously isolating and then, say, get together for a week and celebrate holidays, <laughs> uh, roll it all into one ball, I think that could be done safely. You know, you're kind of maximizing time together, minimizing the ratio of travel to time together, not bringing together many different bubbles. That is different than just, oh, we're going to bring together eight or 10 separate cohorts for one day and then all go back to our homes. And then we'll try to do it again later around Christmas or New Year's or Hanukkah or what there's. Yeah, no, you're, I, yeah. I feel like from writing about this and thinking about this, you're thinking for like everyone around the country and how bad this could get in these conversations. I feel like one of two things either happens like you talk to a parent and either it feels like an accusation and they get defensive that they're not a danger to you or that you're being paternalistic and saying, Oh, I'm worried for you. And they're like, well, I'm willing to take the risk. And then where does that leave you? Right. So I think the last, the default scenario, and this is what I might've recommended to Catherine and it's something I've done myself a little bit is just to say, sorry, you know, I'm super paranoid. <laughs> I'm obviously out of my mind. You know, I'm really worried right now. You are the rash, like, <laughs> not, you're not saying this, but kind of, you're the rational ones. I know you know what you're doing and everything's totally fine. It's not but you, it's I, me. Is what I can't, I, I am just too rattled by this whole situation. I keep, you know, I keep seeing these numbers 1500 people dying in a day and i just want to do my part here you know you raise me to think about other people and i feel like this is necessary right now <laughs> I, I i'm not you don't need to get righteous about it like really if there's no no convincing the other person then just kind of make it about your own yeah. uh your own worries and anxieties and like that you will see them as soon as you can which is hopefully in the spring and summer and Alternatively, you could say, I'd honestly rather you be mad at me right now than you be dead. So I'm not coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm very lucky in that I, I think this conversation will be much easier than I'm worried about it being. But I know there are lots of families that this is going to be really, really hard. So, yeah. yeah. It I, is. I and and I think they'll be, I'm especially worried about there being so many people who are attending these things 
reluctantly knowing that they shouldn't be, but just don't feel comfortable. Right, right. That's the thing. It's like you can't, it's so hard to say. But yeah, I think that, I think the like breakup, it's not you, it's me tactic works well here. Where it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, listen, this is all just like, I'm, I'm just not ready to have a Thanksgiving. I'm not like in a place where I can really have a Thanksgiving right now. Yeah. (laughs) You're great. I think I love your cooking, but like, I just need to have a little time by myself to have my own cooking. Yeah, that's the sort of, if you really feel like you can't have an honest conversation with someone, then do that. But if you see an opportunity to actually talk directly about the concerns about the virus, I think this is good. Like that sort of grassroots types of conversation will at least make other people think like, oh, wait, is this really smart for me to be getting my fam- the rest of the family together? Yeah. Like if you feel uncomfortable with it, don't push through it. You're probably yeah. right. Like, don't do it. And not right. just for no. you, but for everyone, because hospitals are already overwhelmed in so many places. Like, even if you're like, I wouldn't mind getting sick, which you should. But even if you were like that, which is understandable, this isn't just about you. It's a, like, you don't know if you're even going to be able to get care in the hospitals in a couple of weeks. No. So. It's honestly a great opportunity to <laughs> just take the holiday off. Just take a day where you don't have to worry about all this. If you really feel that you can't have this conversation, you know, yeah, just go with an excuse. I, I have to work. I I need to save money. I'm not feeling well. Those are going to be ways to avoid if you know that you have family members who just really you couldn't couldn't honestly talk to. Yeah. The dog ate my plane tickets. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, we hope this is helpful. Um this is genuinely very difficult. I hope we've given a range of options for how to say no, Um, but the answer is no. And I think the vaccine news is, at least for me, making this a little bit easier because it's like, okay, it's not like we're in this endless thing where we can never, like, we just have to learn to live with risk because we can't be locked down forever. It really is. There is an end in sight. It's not going to be immediate, but there is an end in sight. So all the more reason to really tighten up right now. Yeah. And take it from Jim. Like, Jim doesn't mind being um, socially awkward. So just take inspiration (laughs) from that. Say weird things. And uh, don't worry about how people might react. If we just had a government that would give us this direction, it would shift the conversation so easily. You could send the CDC guidance. You know, sorry, they've strongly recommended that we not do this. You could say, it's not not me, it's the government. Yeah, they they didn't do that. They gave these sort of middling, weird... If you're going to get together, consider these things. Yeah. So I wrote cancel Thanksgiving as this like kind of over the top version of the headline. Send your family that. Yeah. Send your family Jim's article. Make them hate me. I will absorb the hate. Jim doesn't mind. Did did you watch Laura Ingram's show last night, Catherine? I didn't uh, get a chance. I usually do, of course, but I uh, had to miss it last night. She called it a garbage article. (laughs) She called me some guy. You are some guy. And she quoted Oh my God, I have to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) A fellow named James Hamblin wrote this for The Atlantic. Celebrating Thanksgiving by entering someone's home and spreading a lethal infectious disease is a little too darkly ironic anyway. Thanksgiving is a nebulous day of atoning for the sins of colonialism by eating food and saying thank you. Now, families and friends and communities can work together to achieve something meaningful and good, ending the pandemic. 
Well, that sounds like a ball. But really, that garbage article is just a reminder that the left hated our cherished holidays and traditions long before COVID. Oh my God, that delights me. Wow, I am so delighted. And I'm going to go watch that in a second, but I also have to go. So um, I'm going to leave. But Kevin, why don't, why don't you take us out with the credits? Oh boy. Um, this show today was produced by me, Kevin Townsend. You can write us at socialdistance@theatlantic.com or leave us a voicemail at 202-642-6487. Uh, if you have any questions like the holiday questions we got this week, we love hearing from listeners. We've gotten a lot of good guidance on how we do the show. Um, and if you like the show and want to access all the Atlantic's journalism, the best way to do that is by subscribing to theatlantic.com slash support us. Thanks for talking about this, guys. And thanks for the advice on talking to my parents. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Good luck with it. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.